Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Singapore Home Brew on Money FM 89.3. We always love talking about our uplifting moments here in Singapore, the things that bring us together, that unite us, that make Singapore a better place. And yes, sometimes we need to talk about the tough subjects as well. And uh, as as came out by the Samaritans organization in a recent study um, a couple of months ago, Singapore's suicide rates were the highest in over 20 years in 2022, more than 476 uh, fellow residents took their lives due to social pressures, economic pressures. We know that COVID had uh, something to do with some of those cases. It is not a statistic that we are happy to see rise or be proud of. No, and we know that mental distress is on the rise in Singapore. It's a story that sadly is repeated Far too often in Singapore, it is a difficult subject, but not one that we should shy away from if we want to improve those terrible figures. We'd like to bring an uplifting element to this. And joining us in the studio now is Dr. Jared Ng. He is the medical director of Connections Mind Health. Now, uh, Dr. Ng has done many things. He's a senior consultant. He's a psychiatrist. Um, he's worked with the um, with the Singapore Armed Forces. Uh, he has done and been in, in government roles or uh, step board roles on health. Uh, Jared, we are so happy to have you with us today. And uh, it, it's a tough subject, but we've got to talk about it, don't we? Definitely. Thanks, Neil and Glenn, for having me. Uh, it's a difficult subject. I don't think we talk about uh, suicide and suicide prevention enough. I think I talk about suicide a lot more than the average Singaporean or the average mm. psychiatrist or doctor mm. because of the nature of my work. Uh, I used to be the chief of the emergency services at the Institute of Mental Health. So we do see a lot of patients coming in in crisis situation and many of them were in suicidal crisis. Yeah. And yeah. and the backdrop of this is on September the 10th, it's World Suicide That's Prevention right. Day. That's right. So a day of hope that we can reduce uh, these uh, cases happening. But take us back over the past few years. What are, what are from your perspective and what you've heard from your, your clients, your patients, mm. what, what are the stresses that people felt that perhaps pushed them too far? Uh, I think we can really look at it in different age groups. We do see young people coming in with attempted suicide or having suicide thoughts, and we see elderly coming in as well. I think the, the triggers for suicide are many folds, but a lot of it is relationship. For the younger population, I see, for example, the first heartbreak, mm. uh, gender identity problems, mm. uh, school stress, parental stress, parents having an acrimonious divorce sometimes can have that kind of impact on the child. And for the elderly, I think, as we mentioned during the pandemic, the, the role of social isolation came to the fore. I think elderly who live alone, recently losing their long-time spouse, mm. or if they have disabling illness, painful illness, terminal illness, all these are huge risk factors. And for the adults, which is really in the middle, it's a combination of both. Uh, bereavement and grief is a big topic. Uh, divorces, uh, career problems, financial problems, legal problems are all triggers for suicides. It's such a sadly pertinent issue because just directly in the last month or so, I've had examples of all three. Young people, relationship breakups, old people losing a loved one and financial pressures in the middle. So it's important, I think, not to miss anybody out. Let's go through it. Let's start with young people. A lot of parents listening to this show, carers, grandparents. What signs should they look for in their children, their teenagers, 
to be aware of some of the markers that okay. might be red lights. Okay. Um, I think the warning signs of uh, suicide is really well published. If you, I, I did this talk before. If you Google warning signs of suicide, you'll see millions of pages of hits on it. So the typical warning signs can be divided into what they say, uh, how they behave, mm. uh, broadly speaking. For example, they may talk about not wanting to live anymore, talk about life being very difficult, talk about having no way out. I think that's important. Uh, sometimes they could change and start to say goodbye and thank yous to their parents, suddenly become very loving, wanting a hug. I think those are warning signs as well. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, in terms of behavior, if they suddenly become very withdrawn, not wanting to speak to anyone, uh, always lock up in the room, some kind of isolation, social withdrawal. I think these are possibly symptoms of an underlying mental health condition and parents should take note. Whenever we talk about warning signs as well, we always have to tell parents and caregivers and friends that an absence of warning sign doesn't mean that uh, they should be complacent and, and mm. they take it for granted that, oh, my child is okay. Because a lot of times, the child may not want to show it to the parents in fear of worrying them, in mm. fear of drawing too much attention to themselves. They might confide in their friends, in their teachers, and therefore, suicide prevention training has to apply to everyone in the community mm. and really not just the parents or loved ones. And just to add to that, how are the symptoms or signs similar or different with the different generations? As you mentioned, the elderly. Are we looking at similar yeah. signs? What should we look for in the elderly when we're worried about their mental health? I think it's about the presentation of any underlying mental health condition. The elderly may present, for example, they may not say that they are depressed. Maybe they belong to a generation that don't express mm. that kind of feelings. They mm. may present with a lot of unexplained medical symptoms, chest pain, abdominal pain, mm. headaches and giddiness. And they repeatedly go to different doctors for medical checkup and we can't find anything wrong. We have to start thinking whether there is an underlying emotional component to it or psychological component and refer yeah. to uh, counsellors or psychologists or psychiatrists accordingly. Yeah, uh, it, it is, um, it's so complex. As you just yeah. mentioned, the symptoms could be, you know, kids yeah. being happy and joyful and hugging you or withdrawn and remorse and, remorse and, yeah. and, and, uh, and not talking to you. And different all. within the generations. And different That's within right. generations. And look, we know that the stresses are real in Singapore, despite the fact that we live in a, a ultra modern, clean, safe society. We still have a lot of these stresses here. Yeah. How, as a mental health professional, mm -hmm. how do you go about, um, uh, trying to help create a society that is going to reduce the level of those stresses in addition to dealing with the individual patients who may have these challenges. Where, um, what can we do as a society? We know the old story about the school stresses. We yeah. know that one. Yeah. Um, but how else, you know, can, can government play a role? Can other NGOs play a role in this? Yeah, I think it's interesting you mentioned that, Glenn. I, I think uh, I've been working with uh, a colleague of mine, Antia, Miss Antia Ong. Mm. Uh, we are trying to come up with a national suicide prevention strategy. Wow. Uh, to really look at this problem. I, I don't think we have got one in Singapore. That's interesting. Do, do yeah. other countries? Yes, yes. In fact, Indonesia has just launched a national suicide prevention strategy Is that right? sometime wow. this year. Huh. I think UK has got one. I think the Scandinavian countries have got one as well. What do they typically have in these yeah. strategies? What do they talk about? I think about? they really look at a multi-sectorial collaboration. doesn't just involve a government entity coming up with plans and policy, but they involve the ground. They involve NGOs. They involve perhaps even suicide survivors, families. Hmm. Uh, so I think for because it is such a complex problem, a lot of times people just think that it is a mental health problem. Hmm. But it's not true. I think we need to involve the education sector. Um, the legal sector, the police, perhaps even the defense sector, because we have a conscript 
policy, and that can be a source of stress. Hmm. Um, manpower, I think the workplace is important. A huge percentage of people with stress are at work. So all these people need to come together. And we really need to look at what are the best practices of other countries, contextualize it to the local context, and then see how we can implement it. What are some of the elements in the, I'm curious, in the Indonesian yeah. strategy? They are our next door neighbors. What are some of the key points that they've got in there that stand I out? I think they, they base their uh, prevention strategy. I hope I don't misquote them. On, mm. on the WHO, they, they have a live life kind of uh, guidelines. They really look at multi-sectoral collaboration. They look at situation analysis and then look at the different risk factors. I think one important thing which we all need to do, not, not in any policy and any strategy, is to really look at how uh, instructions and regulations, does it increase risk factors? Does it increase protective factors of hmm. suicide? Hmm. For example, um, alcohol loss is important. Uh, drug laws are important. I think all these things we do need to take into consideration when, when we want to prevent suicide collaboratively. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking with Dr. Jared, Medical Director at Connections Mind Health. The, the topic is suicide, and World Suicide Prevention Day on September 10th is coming up. What do we expect to see on that day uh, that Singaporeans can, can take part in, that can help to further this goal of reducing uh, that tragic statistic here? Uh, I suppose for myself, that day is no different from any other day. I mm. mean, it's, it's nature of my work. Sure. Uh, but I think this particular day draws attention to the importance of uh, how everyone can play a role in suicide prevention. Uh, I noticed on social media and on news, there's a lot of training programs, lectures and talks that the public can attend. I think one big thing that we would like to do, uh, even through all these initiatives, is to raise awareness, mm. uh, to, to, reduce, to reduce the stigma of suicide. It, as you can imagine, suicide is a very stigmatizing topic. Sure, Families may not be willing to share about it. And in fact, we realize that there is this phenomenon called double uh, stigmatization. If they have got a mental illness as well, mm. and there's uh, suicidal thoughts or suicide in a the family, they are doubly stigmatized. So yeah. it's been really, really difficult. What do you feel about the potential concerns of social media? Whenever I talk to parents, teachers, which I do a lot, about mental health, particularly in younger people, teenagers, social media always comes up. It's seen as both a positive and a negative. A, po- a negative in the obvious sense, yeah. they see things, FOMO, fear of missing yes, out, my yes, life right. is inadequate. They also, there's other things they get the wrong ideas from, but also positive. There's also help groups that kind of thing, communities. What are your thoughts on social media and how people with mental health issues navigate them? Very tough in the digital age. Yeah, it is very tough. And I think if we were to just take on a rule or we should ban social media or we should mm. allow, I think that is really very, very short-sighted. I think we have to work mm. with it. Mm. I do take your point about the FOMO. I think a lot of it, a lot of the distress sometimes that young people or even adults feel is comparison. Yeah, People are not going to post terrible pictures of their life on social media on Instagram. <laughs> My life stinks. Yeah, you don't see yeah, that very often. They're going to show themselves attending parties, attending, in yep. fact, I mean... Great uh, holidays, yeah. all, exactly. all the best It's stuff. the classic, why isn't yeah. my life like that? That's right. And yeah. you start to compare, you start to resent your life. You might even resent your, your parents, for example. Mm. And then that can precipitate an argument at home, leading to interpersonal problems in the family. I think it's difficult. Mm. I also have seen extreme cases of very, very unhealthy websites or Instagram page telling people what to do if they want to do something to themselves. I think mm. those are terrible. And I think that one, um, the, the authorities have a role to play to, to really sieve them out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and ban them. So tomorrow tomorrow is uh, 
World Suicide Prevention Day. Mm-hmm. What what are some conversations that parents can have with children or families can have with elders? How do you how do you start how do you start talking about it? How do you probe if you're trying to see if a family member is at risk or a friend? Yeah, I think one of the more common things that we need to this one common myth we need to dispel is that talking about suicide will plant suicidal thoughts into people's mind. That is not the case. Mm. I think it's very healthy to have an open discussion. Of course, this is not a very casual conversation topic over a nice family dinner. I think if you notice that your family members are in distress, mm. if you notice that they look a little bit different out of sorts, I think it's okay to approach them and ask them what's going on in their life and say that, is there any concerns you have? Have you had any thoughts of not wanting to go on anymore? Yeah. Are you feeling very isolated and lonely? How can we help? I mean, it's not just the parents. Sometimes the kids may not want to talk to the parents, but... That's when collaboration with teachers is important. I have so many cases where parents were alerted by teachers mm. because classmates who look at the person's Instagram posts mm. actually detect something. Why yeah. is this person saying goodbye see it on happening. Instagram? Yeah, and they right. tell the teacher, the teacher tell the parents, and we manage to save a life. Yeah. I mean, just briefly, yeah, sure. I mean, you've kind of covered it. Why does you know a day like World Suicide Prevention mm-hmm. Day, why does it matter so much? Why is it so important? Because you say people just don't want to talk about it. But why does it matter? Um, I think when more people talk about it, uh, it becomes easier. The level of stigma about it becomes less. I know that on that day, many suicide survivors do speak out. Uh, they are either persons who survive a nearly lethal attempt or family members of those who tragically pass from suicide. They may want to open up and talk about it. And it reduces the stigma, encourage open communication. And I have seen children or youth going to their parents to say that they actually have got thoughts of wanting to take their lives. And that prompted the family to realize how serious the situation is and bring them for help. Mm. I think that is crucial and important. Uh, Jared, we have to leave it there. Dr. Jared, mm, Medical Director at Connections Mind Health tomorrow, World Suicide Prevention Day on September the 10th. Um, if folks do want to reach out to you, your counseling practice, or just finding resources in general, what's a good starting point to figure out the topics, the discussions to have, the signs to look for, etc.? Um, I think there's a lot of web pages. Certainly, they could they could look for myself or any other psychological or psychiatric mm-hmm. services online. Samaritans, of course, yep, Samaritans of Singapore. In yep. fact, um, Samaritans of Singapore run this program called Be a Samaritan. Mm. I, I think it's fantastic. It teaches uh, participants could be lay public basic skills of how to pick up warning signs. Nice. How to practice active listening, which is really important when you want to do this kind of work. So I, I encourage people to look at the SOS website. And then sign up if you think that there is something of interest to the organization. Wonderful. Gerald, thank you so much. Let's hope yeah, the next time you. we have you on, it's a good news story about <laughs> the rates going down significantly. Yeah, I hope so too. Let's hope so. Thanks, Thanks. for having me. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.